Hey all, Double G here from Fight Game Media. I just wanted to talk about some of the bonus content we've been dropping on our Patreon, aka Fight Game Media Network Plus. John LaRocca and I dropped our 1998 Royal Rumble Watch Along, which is a compliment to our 1998 Raw Review Series as we cover the year in which Stone Cold Steve Austin becomes the biggest star in wrestling. Just last week, Carlos Toro and Robert Silva for our boxing podcast, Pound for Pound, put out their monthly bonus show on the biggest upsets in boxing, heading all the way back to 1986 when Donald Curry lost to Lloyd Hunnigan. Carlos wasn't even born yet, so he was watching the fight for the first time, and Robert is recounting facts from that fight like it just happened yesterday. Also, don't forget to check out myself and Chris DePetrillo and our Karate Kid podcast, which is exclusive to the Patreon, as we cover Cobra Kai Season 4. Terry Silver is back, y'all, and he's looking for revenge on one Danny Boy LaRusso. Check out the Patreon at patreon.com front slash fight game media. It is just five bucks. Give us a shot. Your Starbucks order probably costs more than that. Now, on to the show. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Brace for Impact. I'm clearly not Mike Gilbert. I'm JD Oliva. My man Mike, good brother, is homesick. He's not feeling great. So we're going to let Mike recover. And filling in for me is my good buddy and Fight Game Media crew member himself. He of the rap, Mr. Scott Young, regular Scott. What's up, man? How you doing, JD? Thank you for having me. Get well soon, Mike. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. This is a good episode to come back on. I've been fortunate with the episodes I've got to uh, watch with you and, and review with you. And, you know, I think it's uh, it's not crazy to say that this show has actually gotten significantly better in the time that that one we started doing this podcast and just over the last few months like this is a like you filled in for mike uh about two months ago i want to say and already this show is significantly better than it was back then so uh we'll definitely talk because are you not you're still not a regular viewer of the show are you no, nah, they, they got to give me something to, to draw me in. They got to give me a match or somebody showing up to like, you know, I heard G.O.D. and Jay White, you know, a little spoiler alert. They'll be coming in soon. So like stuff like that draws me in. So they got to they got to hook me in. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I understand. Um, I kind of like I have to watch the show for, for the show. So, I mean, there's some weeks I'm like, oh, this is rough. But on the last few, I've been really into it. And this again, this show kept it going it's been a lot of fun we will get started with the review of impact of the impact show we started um digital media title on bti jordan grace defeated lady frost retaining the digital media impact title not a big surprise i mean lady frost is a pretty good long-term prospect did you get to watch bti today i did not watch bti that uh, makes I two saw- of us i never watched <laughs> bti <laughs> That was not the response I was expecting. Oh, I, I never watched that show. They don't, in my opinion, if it's not important enough to put on impact, it's not important enough for me to review. But this is interesting because it did lead to an angle. Jordan Grace has is our first digital uh, digital media championship, the worst named championship in all of professional wrestling. She defended against, she defended and defeated against Lady Frost, who's uh, have you had a chance to watch Lady Frost yet in the ring? 
No, I've only seen her finisher, which is very impressive. Yeah, she's really, really athletic, um, gymnast-type body, uh, real good, still learning, little green, but just an absolute ton of upside. I, it bums me out that she lost so quick, but, you know, roster's kind of thin, so, you know, you're just not going to get people that get built up over long periods of time. You know, it's just it's just not realistic. So Jordan has a new challenger, man. So you have no idea what happened here. So I'm, I'm going to bait this hook and I'm going to see if you can if you can bite this. What if I tell you that Jordan Grace has a new challenger for the digital media championship? Who would you think that would be? Oh, man, this is impact. So maybe uh, what's the what's the guy's name who does the, the that did the Wrestle House spinoff that everybody enjoyed? Oh, Johnny Swinger. Johnny Swinger. No, you he are inc- like he'd be. A, you are be incorrect. A you are incorrect, sir. You would be. It would be Matt Cardona is the next challenger to Jordan Grace and the Digital Media Championship. The one that Mike has famously dubbed Mid Cardona. Mid Cardona stolen. Mid Cardona. You know what's sad is that and I keep saying this in the show is that Matt Cardona is reinventing himself into one of the most interesting acts in all of independent wrestling. He is probably the most over heel in all of GCW and is hated across the country. They have sold out the Hammerstein GCW has sold out the Hammerstein ballroom. He's going to wrestle Joey Janela. He's going to get booed mercilessly out of the building. People hate Matt Cardona. And here he's wrestling Jordan Grace, for the digital media championship. He went from main eventing a pay-per-view to not being on impact. And I, you know, I keep in, I have been saying this needs to happen, but they need to channel Matt Cardona's uh, independent wrestling character and bring him into impact. And Mike is up the idea. This is the springboard to it. After watching this happen on the pre-show, I have less faith that, and that this is going where I think they should be going. It seems to me like this is a very Zack Ryder esque, Basically him, cha- he's basically to cut a promo saying he is going to, he's essentially chasing the internet title again. I'm, I don't love this. What do you think? I, I uh, so I'm kind of torn on it, right? Cause I feel like Jordan Grace is a star and she deserves mm-hmm. better. She should be going for the women's title. Her and Peraza should be having banger matches, her and Mickey James. She should be involved in the mix at all times. Uh, I feel like she's wasted on pre-shows like this. On the other hand, I definitely wouldn't mind watching her toss around Cardona. I have, I would actually enjoy watching her toss him around and just throw him around like a rag doll. So I, I'm kind of torn on it. You know, I I'm not a fan of of you know intergender stuff. I thought AEW did an all right job with it last night, but it was like you know when you keep them separate a little bit. I think it's a little bit more a little more interesting for me, a little bit more to my tastes. Um, Something about this is intriguing to me because Jordan Grace is so freaking strong and Matt Cardona is deceptively large. Because I think when we think about him, we think of Zack Ryder being kind of a, you know, mid-sized WWE guy. And that dude is big. He is 6'2 and jacked. So I mean, in, in a real world scenario, he's a large individual. So I, I'm morbidly curious to see how this goes. Um, I'm not terribly excited, but I'm kind of excited so that's what's going on in bti we start the show this week um delo is still out suffering the attacks of our ring of honor stable and um you know tom hannafin has got rotating cast of customers coming in and doing commentary some are better than others we start out with the great mickey james our knockouts champion she came out looking pretty good wearing a dallas cowboy shirt which you know if you're an nfl fan 
that's entertaining after last weekend because I don't think anybody saw that coming, but you know, it made me laugh. Yeah, I'm uh I'm actually shocked they kept going to her as much because she had on the Cowboys jersey. I'm uh she won't be wearing it on the next set of tape. No. Let's put it that way. <laughs> no, no, not. I mean, like, I, I, that's the first thing I noticed. I'm like, oh, wow. Yeah, they could tell this was taped in the past. Okay, first match. Tasha Steeles, our uh, knockouts, uh, Ultimate X winner, the number one contender, challenges Chelsea Green. They actually had, I don't know if you got to see the pay-per-view. They actually had a really cool finish to this match where both uh, Chelsea and Tasha were fighting over the X you know, while hanging from by their legs from the structure and they both pried it off at the same time and Tasha wrestled it as they hit the ground. The finish was super gutsy and it actually came off really, really well. So that's, that's cool. This match kind of comes off it. Oh, you know, pretty decent match. Steals hits a crucifix bomb for the win. You know, it was all right. And then afterwards she talks a little bit of crap to Mickey James and gets Mickey into the ring. You know, um, we got a little fight with uh, Savannah Evans and then Chelsea comes back out to even the score. Chelsea clearly playing babyface, which is not what she's really good at. As again, I'm seeing on GCW, her and Cardona, super interesting as heels. It does not seem like we're going that way in this promotion for right now. Um, yeah, I mean, I think what do you think of the match? I thought the match was okay. There yeah. was some there were some rough spots. Uh I you know, it it was okay. It didn't it didn't blow me away. It wasn't anything special. I think the match was just a means to get to the post match with the promo and you know, kind of get Chelsea Green as like you said, a baby face here. But impact kind of plays into the kind of the indie stuff, so it doesn't make sense really for her to be a baby face here, but she's clearly a heel everywhere else she goes. So that's kind of weird. Um, I like Steels, you know, as somebody who mm-hmm. doesn't watch regularly seeing her for the first time, she's got a really good presence. Um, I thought her promo started off a little shaky. She seemed like she was reciting lines, but as she got more into it, she got more comfortable. I thought she looked really natural towards the end when she actually was talking towards Mickey and she seemed like she figured out what she wanted to talk about. So that was pretty good. Um, I don't think she has a chance of winning, but I like that they're actually doing something with her. And it seems like they're trying to build up new people from the last time I watched, which is good. Yeah, um, I agree. I kind of like watching. One of the things I like about Impact is that a lot of times you're watching talent really find themselves is that sometimes, especially um, you either get people that have been at top and they're kind of not coming down, but they're coming from WWE specifically, or you get people on the come up. And I really enjoy watching the people come up from the Indies because they're, I talked about Lady Frost earlier, how she's green, but she's finding herself. Tasha has been in this company for, I want to say two years now. And, you know, she had that tag team with Kira Hogan. They were not good but they got better. And since Kiara left the company, I really think Tasha Steeles has been one of the most improved players on this roster. I really believe that like, she's really coming to her own. I was really impressed with her in the ultimate X match. I, I agree with you. I thought this promo was a little rough at the beginning, but when she got comfortable and was really kind of jabbing Mickey, it got, it got pretty good that we got to the beatdown. and yeah, you know, Chelsea's Chelsea's so good at being a heel. Like I just don't, I just don't find her and Cardona slightly sympathetic, like at all. And I think that it really kind of takes away from Chelsea's natural charisma because she's kind of bitchy. Right. And she's really good at being kind of bitchy. And I think that um, I disagree with you. I do think Tasha is going to be the one to take the title off of Mickey. Wow. That's a pretty bold. What, what kind of, what kind of leads you towards that? Is it, is it building off of the X division win? Like what would lead you towards that? Mickey's not signed. Uh, okay. I don't, I truly okay. believe that I truly believe she was going to lose the title to Deanna until they made the rumble deal. 
And then I think they felt impact felt like they had to keep it on her, which they kind of do. So I think it's a good opportunity to make somebody. And, you know, I don't know how long Mickey plans on sticking around. She's not signed long-term to the company. And, you know, if Tasha Steeles beats Mickey James, you kind of make somebody and then you got something down the line with her and Deanna. Um, thoughts right now I have, I think, I think that's kind of what happens. We get a Gianna, uh, Gianola talks to Cardona where he talked, like I said, he challenges Jordan Grace for that digital media championship, not his best promo. He, uh, you know, Cardona is a dork, right? That's the kid. The Matt Cardona character is he's a big dork. And when he's being a heel, he's really good at being that big dork. But, you know, as a baby face, he just comes off like just a dork and, you know, not terribly likable or sympathetic or anything. So if this is leading to a turn, cool. If not, I, I, I think we're missing the boat with him. So the, the interview was, I don't know, it is what it is. Matt Cardona is not a bad promo by any stretch of the imagination, but it's just hard to get behind him in this. Yeah, it didn't, you know, I didn't, like I said from earlier, all, you know, the main thing I took away from this is Jordan Grace is a star. Every time I saw her on the screen, I was like, I want to see more of her. I want to see her on the main show. Like, I don't care if she has the title or not. She should still be like, well, I want more gold. Like, I, this is cool, but let me go back and get my women's title. Like, I want more Jordan Grace. That was the main thing I took away from this segment. No, I agree. Next, we got a video package for Charlie Haas. Did, it, did, I, did I fall down and it became 2005? Like... I wasn't expecting to see Charlie Dawson. Oh, yeah. You, I can oh, so the main, tell you that. The main event probably blew you away when you saw this. Um, <laughs> it was kind of cool. The one thing I say was really cool about this was the use of Ring of Honor footage. Like, we've got a Ring of Honor is, is in a weird place right now. They did announce today that there is going to be a pay-per-view coming up. Uh, Gresham Bandito for the unifying the titles. That's cool. We'll talk about that later. Uh, so it was cool to see ROH foot, old, old ROH footage, super VHS ROH footage on um, on Impact. So that's pretty cool. But yeah, Charlie Haas is is coming in in the year of our Lord, 2022. So I don't know who asked for it, but I guess I guess somebody asked for it. Yeah. So we announced that uh, the influence will be challenging the inspiration for the knockout tag team titles. But tonight we're going to have influence versus decay and match starts out where, you know, uh, the Danette, uh, Tennille and Madison take out Rosemary, injure her shoulder, make sure she can't wrestle. So Rosemary can traverse space and time, but she cannot wrestle with an injured shoulder. She also couldn't remember which shoulder she injured because at first she was holding her left shoulder. No, I'm sorry. First, she was holding, you know, I was right. First, she was holding her left shoulder, which got ran into the post. And then when she was given the, who was it, Havoc, the, po you know, the big uh, pep talk, go get him. She was moving her left arm as she was holding her right arm still. So she couldn't remember which arm she hit either. Yeah, that's a, that's a problem. So um, a problem. I'm not, I don't know. I, I like the original Decay. I like the old school you know, uh, Crazy Steve and Abyss and Rosemary together. I thought that was really cool. I think the more we play with Decay lately, the less the less fun it seems to me. This match is it was a it wound up being a handicap match with Havoc versus the Influence. And uh, honestly, the most interesting part about this to me was Caleb Connolly on commentary with Tom Hannafin. So you know, I like Tom. 
Tom did a good job tonight. So he has been really, really good since coming in. He is a pro. You, we can we all mock kind of the WWE style of things, but they do do a good job of getting their broadcasters ready. And when you give them some leeway, it turns out they're all pretty dang good because this happens pretty frequently where guys leave WWE and they're allowed to kind of be themselves a little bit and have some fun. And I think that I think Tom Hannafin's been a breath of fresh air for this company, and he hasn't had a partner yet. He's they've been since D, he had Dilo with the pay per view. And then they rotate people. They've last three weeks, they've rotated people in. So he's done a really good job, really, with nobody solid to work off of. So I think that he's proven to be kind of the MVP of this promotion in the beginning part of this year. So that was fun. The match is what it is. You know, we're going to get, we're going to get that, man. We're going to get the influence versus the inspiration eventually. The match is going to be whatever. You know, they'll be fine. We had a vignette for the quintessential diva. I have no clue who this person is. I'm trying to think of who from WWE this could be because it has to be a former WWE diva, right? That's a good point. I didn't think about that. Yeah, just the use of the term diva, like that's pretty associated with WWE. So who, who I guess is of the release, who of the recently released do you think would be, would be in line to be the quintessential diva? Unless it's like an old school diva, like a Melina, somebody who's they're bringing back somebody like that. But she's been here. So I don't think that they would repackage her quite like that. I mean, it's possible, but I just um, I think they just tell you Melina was coming in because she's been in the promotion. So I, I, I honestly don't I don't know who this person is. I'm not terribly curious either. No, I, I don't think it's going to be anybody super impactful. I think it's going to be somebody who joins like the influence. I, if if it's like a summer Ray, I could see her fitting in with the influence and kind of being in that group. So I don't And she kind of fits the quintessential diva mold. So maybe a summer Ray could. I'll go with that person. I'll go know? with Yeah, sure. Uh, Danielle Monet, I believe is her real name. So yeah, sure. Why uh, not? Yeah. Why not? That'd be cool. Next up, uh, Ace Austin, Madman Fulton approached Speedball Mike Bailey in the back. Looked like Speedball was meditating or something. Austin tried to recruit Bailey in. Fulton did his Fulton thing. And then Johnny Bravo shows up and, you know, is probably the highlight of this segment. Uh, Speedball, I I like him in the ring. I want to see a little bit more character work from him. Uh, Austin and Fulton are are some, I don't know, I I really like Austin and Fulton. Like, uh, I thought this was this was fine for what it is. I don't know what it's quite advancing other than an eventual match with Austin and Bailey, which will be fun. Yeah, I don't know anything about Bailey. I like Austin. I'm, I'm always intrigued by Austin. Um, so, yeah, this is good for me. Yeah, it's fine. Uh, will, <laughs> w. Morrissey takes out the learning tree. Vicky, Zicky Dice, excuse me, Zicky Dice and VSK with Brian Myers on commentary. This was this was like an old school like Vader used in WCW do these like public workouts where he would go out and beat up three guys at once and he would just mercilessly destroy them. It was one of the, my favorite things about watching WCW as a kid. This reminded me a lot of that because this was Morrissey literally pinning VSK and Zicky Dice at the same time. By the way, in back-to-back weeks, Zicky Dice has put over both Moose and Morrissey. So uh, yeah, the, these guys are jobbers. That's their gimmick. That's literally what... Uh, that's essentially what Brian Myers is saying on com. Which, by the way, Brian Myers I thought did another good job with commentary on uh, with with Tom. So good stuff from him. And uh, yeah, what did you think, man? I think you need guys like this. This is a nice group to have that you can you know put somebody have a nice dominant win over. And I actually think that's a decent combination that maybe they should look into long term because I don't really want to see Myers in the ring anymore. Um, when it comes to these guys. Myers is a Myers is, is far and away the best one of them. So I don't, 
I don't hate it, but I like that. I love this gimmick where Brian Myers is disgusted with his protégés constantly, but he's also Brian Myers. So we know his like career trajectory. So I think, th- I think this whole thing kind of works, but it's, um, it's ludicrous at the same time. <clears throat> so yeah, it's cool. After that total, yeah, total squash. Scott, um, Demora finds Morrissey backstage. Morrissey wants to fight Moose. Moose isn't in the arena, but they announced that we have our no surrender main event. It'll be W Morrissey versus Moose for the impact world championship. Uh, I, I, I don't know if this is a, I don't know how excited I am about the match. It, it looks good on paper, but I don't know how good the match is going to be. I know they've done a good job with Morrissey um, as far as China trying to protect him, but I, Moose, man, I, I, I'm expecting him to plow through him. I, I think Moose runs right through him. I hope he does, at least. I'm going to tell you something. Morrissey has been really, really good the last couple weeks, last couple months, actually. Morrissey has put together a pretty good body of work that if you just watched him in WWE, you would not think he was capable of. Right? Like, he has been really good these last few months, and they're doing a slow baby face turn with him. My one critique is this this totally mirrors Josh Alexander's storyline where Josh wants to Josh wants his title match because Moose kind of Moose hosed him big time. And Scott was like, no, not today. You have to be patient. And they're doing the exact same thing. So I have this theory that Scott Demore is secretly Moose's manager. Right. Because Scott Demore did train Moose in real life as Mike and I put this together because we're uh, we all of the mind that that Demore is going out of his way to protect Moose and keep him the champion. So uh, this also helps build into that because we are literally recycling a storyline at this point. So I do think this will be a really good big man Hoss fight, but I don't think you're wrong. I do think that eventually Moose retains down the line because that's just that's just really I think we had a, I think we had a good thing going Moose right now. and We got to keep it hot for the eventual Josh Alexander rematch. Outside the arena, our ROH rogue group is trying to get in and they just want to come support the champ, Jonathan Gresham. Demore says they, and they all have tickets. They had this old NWO throwback because they all have tickets to get in. But Demore says they don't need tickets. They're just going to sit in the skybox and they will be surrounded by security. What do you think of this angle? I actually really enjoyed it. I thought Matt Taven did a great job. I really liked Matt Taven during this. Um, I thought he was a lot of fun. Everybody played well off of each other. Uh, Mike and Maria just in the back, just snickering and just saying one-liners the whole time was fantastic. I, PCO looks like Frankenstein's monster, so I don't know what's that's going the, on with that's, him. That's the gimmick. That is, is literally that, the is gimmick. That, is that his thing? Okay. That is PCO's gimmick. He, in fact, is Frankenstein. Got it. Okay. Got it. Well, that's cool. Uh, yeah. Matt Taven was great. I think yeah. he's a fantastic leader of this little group. I agree. And I think that's a great move to make Taven the leader because Taven's an underrated promo. A lot of people dogged him for being ring of honor champion. And I don't, I don't hate on what they did. I think that was, I think at the time that's the only decision ring of honor could have made. And I think that Matt Taven is an underrated performer. He's better promo than people give him credit for. And I think with impact here, he's going to get a chance to really shine. I like that. He looked like the Joker in that sweet ass purple mm-hmm. suit that he was wearing. Like, I agree. I think that making him kind of the, the focal point of this, of this feud of this, excuse me, of this uh, faction, if you will, will be a, will be a good thing. I think that's a good call. Next week when he uh, put his arm out for the security guard to walk him to the ring, yes. little things like that. He does were just fantastic. Yes. He's gotten, he did. He he's interesting because he doesn't come from the WWE system. So I think that he improvs really, really well. Like a lot of times guys will come in and they kind of like are waiting 
not when you be told what to do, but they're like reading cues. Whereas Taven is really good at just bouncing off of what people are saying to him. And he's, he's really good at just, you know, kind of feeling his way out and improving. I think that I, in a year's time, I think the people who are fans of impact, and we have a lot of people that are just impact fans and really don't pay attention to what's going on in ring of honor. I think in a year's time, people are really going to be high on Matt Taven. I really do. Like the tag team with, with Bennett is really good. Like the OGK is a great team. I think in time, it would not surprise me to see Matt Taven as impact world champion. I really, oh, wow. I really think that I really, I'm that high. I'm, I'm, I was one of those anti Matt Taven guys originally. And I still watched ring of honor during his reign. I thought it was pretty good where he was actually feuding with the guy who was saying next to him, you know, Vincent, Vincent mm-hmm. is also awesome. At some point they have to explain to me why Vincent and Taven are hanging out together when they hate, when for two years, they tried to murder each other on ring of honor television. All I need is a sentence. Just tell me, yeah, we're cool now. Just give me something, Scott, anything. But yeah, this was a fun angle. Next up, we had our ROH world champion, Jonathan Gresham, Steve Macklin, pure rules match. Goddamn, Scott, this was a damn good match. This was absolutely fantastic. This is why this title will stay around, why Gresham will be able to remain relevant. The rules are just fantastic, and they make the rules important. They make rope breaks important. I love the rules. I love how they utilize the rules. I love how Macklin punched him in the face and was like, yeah, I know what I did. I'm good. I got got one freebie. Like, I love little things like that. Gresham trying to get him to shake his hand throughout the entire match and just pretty much get him to say, yo, you're going to respect me by the end of this. And he wouldn't do it. And you guys have been high on him from the jump. But Macklin, hey, what can you say about him? He hung with him the entire match. This match was fantastic. Great match. I, I agree 100. percent We are we are big Steve Macklin supporters on this show. Um, I, I I said before I think he was wasted away in the Performance Center for nearly a decade. We did not get a chance to see what this guy was really capable of, and then tonight he gets to go with probably the best unsigned wrestler in the world because those Ring of Honor don't have contracts anymore, right? Even though he is the champ, there's no contracts. So you know by default he's the best guy in the world who doesn't have a contract, and he proved it tonight. What I really like about Gresham and this company is the fact that the pure rules is so different than what we normally see in impact. And we get a lot, I, I get critical sometimes because I, I think we see a little too much of the garbage stuff on this show, a little too much of the hardcoreness. Same with AEW. I think that criticism goes there too. Here, the pure rules is so unique, right? And they played it really, really well. Like again, the rope breaks went into the finish, right? Jonathan Gresham literally pulling himself up on those ropes with the figure four. I've never seen that. That was really cool. And like I said, I'm, I think that this is something that I think the ring of honor, that the ring of honor fans and the impact fans can both get by. I don't know how much longer we're going to see Gresham in this company. I imagine he's going to take that title all over the place over the next year or so as the, as kind of like the equivalent to the old NWA traveling champion. Because I think that that's a great way to kind of, you know, um, promote the new ring of honor, whatever it's going to be. But again, man, I just I can't say enough good things about this match. This was I I loved it. I really did. And and they utilize the rope breaks early. Mm-hmm. You know, so that way you kind of got an idea of how important they are. And then at the end of the match, they came back to bite them like. It's just, yeah, there's nothing else really to say. Great match. And I, I'm really excited to see where Gresham, well, not where he goes next, but kind of what the next move is with Ring of Honor and the title after the Supercard. Because 
I think the pure rules have to stay because that's what makes it special. That's what keeps it. That's what makes it stands out. It's interesting. If, if you watch old Ring of Honor TV when they were trying to repush the pure division, um, not everybody there is Jonathan Gresham. And some of those guys really struggled to keep those pure rules matches interesting. Uh, Gresham's figured it out. Like he's really good at it, but not everybody is. So I am curious to see what we do going forward. And I like that Jonathan Gresham is taking taking these rules, these pure rules with him wherever he goes. Because again, it gives him a bit of a home court advantage even when he's in somebody else's ring. Like that's that's unique. That's pretty cool. I'm, I'm a big fan. What did you think of Ian Riccoboni on commentary here? I think he's one of the best in the game. And him and Tom had pretty good chemistry, especially for two, you know, two non-wrestlers who you're normally kind of the setup guys for the play-by-play guys. I thought he did good working with each other. He's I like having him as Gresham's personal announcer. I, I love that whole thing. I like how he's you know, talking down on the Ring of Honor Misfits, but he's with Gresham the whole time. I like that whole package, and I hope that stays too. I hope he goes with the Ring of Honor title. That's, so even when Gresham loses, I hope Riccoboni stays with the Ring of Honor title. That's what seems to be happening right now. Like, Ian Riccoboni seems to be traveling with the Ring of Honor champions, and I think it, it helps bring that credibility with them. Uh, Mike and I compared... Uh, Tom and Ian to Jim Ross and Tony Schiavone in 1988, hmm. right? We get the two play-by-play guys that kind of, you know, blend seamlessly and it gives, it gives matches a more sports-like feel. And I, I'm a, I'm a big fan of it. Like I like, I like what impact has done with this ring of, I like all, all around. I've liked what impact has done with this ring of honor thing. Like, cause I like that in this episode, really, we really start seeing the separation between Jonathan Gresham and and the, the stable that's going to be called Honor No More at the end of this episode. Because again, John, if you're watching Ring of Honor, Jonathan Gresham is all about honor. He is all about what Ring of Honor is about. Like he believes in adhering to the code of honor and the rule system, and this is what it is. And he is, I will make you respect me. I will make you respect honor. You know, that's that's him. And these guys are going the exact opposite way. So I like that this episode further like cemented the division between the two because I think that was important. We didn't know we didn't know where uh Jonathan really stood until the last two weeks. So this was this was good, man. This is uh more of this, more of this. Mm-hmm. Next up, we got a look at the ROH invaders being escorted from the arena as the match ended, as per Scott Moore's uh, request. So they were there watching Jonathan Gresham, maybe not, maybe supporting, maybe, maybe just keeping an eye on things, keeping people wondering where the allegiances are. So again, this is this is by the way, this I think this is the best thing Impact's done in in a long time, as far as like an overarching storyline and angle go. Like I'm, I, I, it's got like a Nexus vibe to it, a little NWO vibe to it but it's its own thing. So I'm, I'm digging it. It's actually, you know what it actually is? It's very Japanese, right? Cause the, the, nobody does invasion angles better than, than Japanese wrestling in general. It's new Japan and all Japan have both had several over the years. And this is uh this reminds me so far a little bit of that. It's been, it's been a lot of fun so far. Next up, we had doc yellows, Joe Doring, a little blending of violent by design and the good brothers defeating Heath and Rhino in a match that I found really plotting and boring with Chris Saban on some and commentary really brought down the show, yeah, uh, I agree. especially following that match, man. And this is what you, you put on after that. I, this felt like something I would see on Monday night raw and have to trash on the rap. Like this, yeah. this was, this was not a good match. I'm not a doc gallows fan. I think Carl Anderson's fine. 
I'm not a Gallows fan. I, I've never been that impressed with him just as a worker. I think he's a good character. I think he yeah. works well with Carl Anderson and plays well off of him. But as far as a worker, he just he doesn't do a lot for me. Doring's a big guy, so there's I mean, there's that. And Heath is Heath. I didn't get to see a gore, so I was mad about that. That's that's all I got for this match. No gore. No gore. Uh you mentioned the rap, Scott. Let's talk a little bit about tell us a little bit about the rap and what you do with Fight Game Media. So the rap is a show that I do with the wonderful host Keela Cash. And we talk about everything that is WWE. Uh, we save you about eight hours of your life that you don't have to spend watching WWE. We can tell you all the good stuff. So that way you can pick and choose because there's a lot of content out there. Um, so that, that's what I do. And I have a blast doing it. Uh, we got some Royal Rumble things coming out, especially on the Patreon, uh, a Royal Rumble review. Uh, there was some talk in the Facebook group about how popular and how great of a wrestler Randy Orton was. So that's exactly why I chose this particular Rumble. So there's a little little intrigue, little breadcrumbs for that uh, coming out on the Patreon. So yeah, the rap, Keela Cash is a great host. She throws softballs for me and makes me look good. She does all the hard work and I get to get the hot tag and make the big splash. So that's what Mike um, does for me on this show. It's, <laughs> that's exactly what it is. And then I'm left to carry the show and it's a struggle. No, like the Fighting Media Patreon is, is kind of where it's at, man. This is like, we have bonus content for our show here on Brace for Impact. I know you guys have great stuff. We have so many good shows that I can't say enough good things about. $5 a month. Get on the Patreon. Listen to all the bonus content that we provide you, all the extra shows, and really help us support what we do. You know, we all, you know, nobody's doing this to get rich. We all love wrestling. We all love talking about wrestling. And you're going to get a little bit of everything. Because I'll tell you what, I upload the raps YouTube videos every week. And I listen to your guys' show in small step, because you know how I feel about WWE wrestling. I and do. I get, I get caught up on everything. I get about 20 minutes of catch up on. So I feel like I'm up to date on WWE and I'm good. I'm good to move on. So that's again, it's a fight game media, Patreon, $5 a month. Get up with it. Um, Yeah. So this, uh, this match was on uh, very boring. That's all I can say about it. Like it was, <laughs> I got nothing. Like, Hey, it just kind of was. There's nothing else to say about it. It was a bad match. It, it just, just, it felt really bad, especially following the great match we got. So it just made it seem worse. You know, a decade ago, Joe Doring was one of the was one of the best gaijin in Japan. He was an he was an all Japan Triple Crown champ. He was a big dude. He had really good matches with Suwama. You know, he was really really special. Time and injuries have slowed him down. He's not as bad as he was a few years ago. He's actually healed quite a bit. So I got I have a big soft spot for Doring. You know my my love of Japanese wrestling. So, um, but I agree with you on Gallows, man. He's a good personality, but um, in the ring, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he kind of, he kind of is, and then we had our main event, which is of course when I told you you'd be guest hosting Brace for Impact this week. I'm sure you thought, oh, well, the main event for the show must be Josh Alexander versus Charlie Haas. <laughs> yeah, that was the the first thought that came to my mind, especially with Gresham and Steve Macklin for the Ring of Honor title on there, and an overarching Ring of Honor invasion angle playing out too. So yeah. Charlie Haas in the main event of a 2022 Impact pay-per-view was our uh, Impact TV was definitely uh, on my mind. Man, when the spoilers came out that Charlie Haas was at the tapings, I went Charlie Haas because he's an amateur <laughs> wrestling coach. So I I have been up to date on Charlie Haas. He I believe he runs his little kid his kids club out of Oklahoma where he's from, and he uh, he hasn't been involved in professional wrestling in a while. And if you watch tonight's match, 
No kidding. He has not been involved in professional wrestling. Um, I think Josh carried him to a gentleman's two star, a gentleman's two and a half star match. You know, uh, I thought Charlie Haas looked very slow, very plodding, very old. You know, I thought he looked very, very old in this match. He looked like a guy that was wrestling in the 70s and not someone who was at his peak in like 2005. Josh sold way too much for Charlie. I know they tried to give him an out with the with the knee injury where he kind of he did the the back spring off the ropes and you know his knee buckled and they kind of gave him an out for why he was having a hard time. But I think it should have been a, a much quicker match than what we got. I think he, Charlie should have got a couple hope spots, maybe a couple quick roll ups to see you know a couple quick two counts. But then Josh should have just ran through Charlie. And we should have moved on to the post-match of what we got. But this was way, way, way too long for Charlie Haas. I, I agree. I don't think it helps Josh all that much when you've got a guy who hasn't been around. Like, I know they like the, the, the commentary team tried to sell this as important. They kept calling Charlie Haas a legend. And I'm like, whoa, whoa. Team angle was fun. But, like, come on, man. Charlie Haas was never a legend. Like, he was he was the other guy in Team Angle. Like he was the third guy. Like Kurt Angle had the personality. Shelton Benjamin was the guy who was like, oh, that guy's cool. And Charlie Haas was the other guy. Like, I don't know. Charlie's solid. I mean, he's a he he was a solid hand, but I don't know what I don't know what years were, ago. Yes. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And I don't know what they were thinking. Josh is going to get out of I mean Josh has been facing Suzuki Jonah like these are the people that he's beating and and facing at the last pay-per-views and stuff and now you got him in the main event of Charlie with Charlie Haas and Charlie Haas is is doing work on him nah that's that's not gonna work and it's there's one time where Charlie ran for Charlie Haas runs for a splash in the corner and he clearly trips and falls into into Josh and they cut right at the right time but I got the video editor eye so I was able to catch it and I just I was just not impressed with the vast majority of the work. I don't, I mean, like Minoru Suzuki is one thing. Okay. That's a monster to put in his path. Jonah, big, some bitch, big guy to work with. I get that. Charlie Haas. I'm just, I don't, I don't understand this. I don't know why this main event. And until we got to the end when, you know, our, our ring of honor stable came out and rec shop. And then we had a bunch of our impact guys clearing out. The most interesting part of this was our final impact member to clear the ring was Eddie Edwards. Eddie Edwards swings his kendo stick and makes no contact with anyone. And our ring of honor crew dispatches. And I'm going to throw this at you. Did you know Eddie Edwards is a former ring of honor world champion? I did know that, but did he run with any of those people? No, but I mean, this is impact. So, I mean, those people didn't run together. PCO didn't do anything with, with the kingdom. Like that's true. Vincent Taven and, and Bennett, like Taven and Taven and Vincent were a tag team and Bennett and, Dave and we're a tag team, but Vincent and, and Bennett had no connection until Bennett came back to ring of honor last year. So we have two different iterations of the kingdom plus PCO. So the only thing they all have in common is they were all in ring of honor at the same time. So don't think too much about it, but I have this crazy theory that Eddie Edwards is going to turn and be on this honor. No more stable as Maria Canellis Bennett, or I just believe she's just Maria Canellis now cut a promo at the very end. It was decent saying they don't respect honor anymore. They are honor no more, which I think is pretty cool. I think that's a pretty good stable name, to be honest with you, for a bunch of guys formerly of ring of honor. And I think they, they divided it out more. Like, so you have, um, we've got Gresham over here, pro ring of honor, pro honor doing the pure rule stuff. And now we have our, our secondary group or not secondary group. We have actually our, our heel faction 
who are on or no more. I mean, it makes sense. Like when you put it that way, I'm good with it. Yeah, I, I like all of this. I, I think we could have got here, though, in the exact same spot with a Chris Saban, Josh Alexander match, have Charlie Haas on commentary, and we could still end up exactly in, in the same spot we're in. Um, you know, again, I, I don't know why I'm still harping on Charlie Haas being in the main event. That was our main event. <laughs> a 2022 Impact show. Uh, but again, that, just another way we could have got here. I do like the honor or the no honor, no more. What is it? Honor, honor no, no more. more. Honor no more. I do like that name. Very Pope. Um, the, Eddie, the Eddie Edwards thing. That's interesting because he is kind of this hardcore guy no more. He doesn't really have any honor. So where does this, where does the end game come from? Like this, does an impact team rise up? Does Josh or does Jonathan Gresham grab some impact guys and they rise up? Because I was thinking Steve Macklin would be the guy to join Honor No More. He seemed because they were kind of waving to him a little bit and mocking Gresham during that match. And on, and Macklin's not giving honor. That was clearly no, dishonor no. when he wasn't shaking his hand. So I was thinking Macklin, but the Eddie Edwards thing would actually because he's what isn't he referred to as the heart? He's the of heart impact? of impact. He's the heart of impact. But he was also the guy that. Like when Jim Cornette was running ROH, he wanted to really build around Eddie Edwards and um, what the heck? Eddie Edwards. Oh, uh, the, the Eddie Edwards' tag team partner, whose name Davey is Richards. Davy Richards. Thank you. His name, I couldn't think of his name at the moment. But yeah, he Cornette really based around the Wolves, right? He really thought those were the guys. So Eddie Edwards does have a lot of Ring of Honor history. So and now he's not that guy anymore. Right. Because he came to impact and he really recreated himself as kind of like a new Tommy Dreamer swinging the kendo stick, you know, doing the more hardcore stuff and not really doing the honor thing. So it would make sense to me if he portrays himself that way as I abandoned honor long ago. Right. And he's because he's kind of floundered a little bit like he hasn't really done anything of note in a while. And I think that having him turn heel and, you know, kind of be. Yeah, last week I compared it to when Steve Austin joined the Alliance back in 2001. That wasn't very successful. But with that idea, it could work. Or like when, uh, you know, okay, it might be overstated to say Hulk Hogan joined the NWO. Like somewhere in between. There's a middle ground between things that work and things that don't. That I think this could really, this could really work. And it also gives this Honor No More group a tether to Impact. So they're not just an invading force. Like they have some stake in it. What is the end game as far as this goes? I don't know yet. And I kind of like that because I don't, I don't see where this is going and it gives it a chance to be organic and breathe and evolve as we go along. So that's, um, that's kind of where I'm at right now. Like it's interesting to me, but I, I don't see the end game. I, I wonder, cause this could also be something that they can use to give Josh Alexander something to do while he waits to get his match with Moose. Cause like you said, obviously that's gotta be the big end game there. Yeah. So Josh Alexander could be the guy that they're like, Hey, we got to go get the best of impact. If we're going to stop this from happening, he's a guy who could lead an impact group and, and be the one that finally take out the ring of honor threat that tries to invade them. I, I, I just, I'm trying to think of who impact has that you could, Put it, I mean, I see they're going to have Rich Swan, Willie Mack, Chris, yeah. Sane, but who's going to be that new guy that who's going to be the guy that comes out of it looking better for impact? So I've been calling Josh Alexander Sting on this show because they've been really booking him like 90s Sting um, when he when Sting didn't have the title. What's Sting's most famous storyline? Right. Standing against the NWO. Mm -hmm. So it makes sense to me is if that actually I didn't thought about that before, but this actually makes sense to me. This is just another obstacle for josh to overcome where he becomes like the new heart and soul of impact 
And we have, cause again, a, a Josh Alexander feud with Eddie Edwards while we're waiting to put the title, take the title off of Moose, I think could work really well. Like I hadn't thought about that. So you just brought it up and now I just sold myself on it. So I think that, I think that might be the way to go. And I think that might be the end of the free version of brace for impact. If you want more, if you want us to hear talking about what's going on with impact news, we have questions from the brace for honor faithful. We have so much more that we want to talk about, but you got to jump into the Patreon to hear that. So until then, I'm J.D. Oliva, Mike Gilbert in here, but I'm going to say mahalo.